Yo, 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 yo. I got to give all glory to God to start off this podcast show, bro. Because this will be the third week in a row. We got a we got a message coming out. And it's all glory to God. He's allowing me to be more persistent in the podcast. Um, and giving me more time and just teaching me time. One of my mentors, MBK mentors, Dr. Jordan, he said this. It's not about time management. It's about time masterment. And we can only depend on the Lord to teach us that because we ourselves can't manage nor master time. But um, God is good. God is good. And I want to get right into it. I don't want to waste no time. I hope you guys have been blessed. When you are hearing this, it will be Easter week. So I hope that you are grounded in the fact that Jesus Christ came and died for your sins and by God's power rose again. And now he makes a home within you for those who believe. So now your identity changes, the way you approach situations changes, and you are reconciled back to God, which means you are connected with him. That means you are under divine inheritance that, that, that allows you to refute every tongue that goes against you. That allows you to take every thought that is against Christ and hold it captive to obey Christ. That is the hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Not only that, but we have we have an eternal, eternal, eternal hope that since he died and rose again from my sins, my sin is no more. Sin no longer has dominion over us, but grace does. And if I receive grace, I not only step into the peace that passes all understanding, but I step into an heavenly book, the book of life, <laughs> the book of life, because now your sins have been washed away. And what Father God sees is no longer your sin, but his son who's living through you when you believe. So make sure you're grounded in that. And we have to be grounded in that because family is it's tough times. It's tough times. We don't like talking about it, but there's a lot of crazy stuff going on right now. We have to be grounded in the fact that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior. And he says, take heart for I've overcome. I have I have overcome. Do not be discouraged. Do not be discouraged. He has already overcome. But let's go to John 4. John 4 will be reading from John 4 verses 1 through 15. John 4 verses 1 through 15. And until you get there, I'm in the ESV version, by the way, the ESV version. The past few sermons have been ESV because my aunt, she got me a, a study Bible. Was it my birthday or was it for Christmas? I think it was my birthday. She got me my... Hold on. It's in the front of the Bible. Yeah, it was my birthday. October 28, 2002. You heard? But, um... <laughs> she got me this study Bible. And ever since then, I've been given the word out of the ESV Bible. From time and time again, I go back to my favorite, the, the NLT. Depending on the, the wording translations. But by now, you should be at John 4, verses 1 through 15. And if you're outside, I hope you have a mask on because it is still COVID season and we have to take precaution. Um, and I hope the Lord is just covering you under his blood in these COVID times. And I just want to give you some hope that it's going to get better. It's going to get better. Um, but I'm thankful for God for this past year because I was watching Kristen Kane. And she was just basically saying, and it's something that the Lord's been putting on my heart for a long time, 
And she just came to confirm me that, yo, this was God putting a pause to everything so we could just sit down and realize how much we need him and how much we are without him, which is nothing. <laughs> and saying so, but John four verses one through 15, before we read, let us pray. Dear Father God, thank you for this gathering right now. Whoever is listening to this, oh God, Jesus, may you open up their ears to hear and their heart to receive. May you purify me, oh Lord God, Jesus Christ, and may you purify them as well. May you take away all unrighteousness, oh Lord God, and may you wash us with your blood and allow us to leave not empty, but filled with your Holy Ghost, oh God. May the words that are on this paper, oh God, Jesus, in these notes, may they be straight, 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 straight from you, oh God, Jesus Christ. And may you speak through me, to me, and may you speak to and through those who are listening as well. Into your hands I commit this word, and I say thank you, for we're unworthy, we're unworthy, we're unworthy, but you still choose us as empty vessels. And I want to thank you that before we chose you, you chose us. Thank you, Jesus, that we are clean just because of the word that you have spoken over us. And Lord God, help us to walk away from this word with a new cycle. A new cycle in Jesus' name. Amen. Man, that's the sermon. Time for a new cycle. Now, John 4 is a story that you guys, if you grew up in church, you know about the woman at the well. Um, I don't take it from a different perspective today. I want to thank God for giving me all these perspectives on scripture. You know, when you when you pray for that deeper and it takes humility and the fear of God. So pray for humility and the fear of God, because with those two things, you garner wisdom. Um because it takes humility to know that, okay, I am nothing, so I need this word to fill me up. And it takes the fear of God to know, okay, I want to be in this word. I got to be in this word. This word is my only way. This word is the only offensive weapon that I have. So pray for those two things. And as you pray for those things, pray that as you read more of the word that he gives you new perspective. And pray that it's all centered around the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I'm done with the lecture. Now for the word. John 4 verses 1 through 15. Now when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John. Although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples. He left Judea and departed again for Galilee. And he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son, to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, wearied as he was from, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman from Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, "Give me a drink," for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, 
as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Time for a new cycle. I know that was a lot of scripture, but we need it. All right, then. But let's break it down. Let's pack it down. So Jesus, verse four, four, (laughs) verse four. So he had to pass through Samaria. Yeah, I'll pray for me, please. So you have to pass through Samaria. And the ideal destination that they were going to was Galilee. That was their ideal destination as verse 3 tells us that he left Judea with his, Judea with his disciples and departed again for Galilee. But he chose to pass through Samaria. And the ideal destination site was Galilee. But Jesus said, before I stop at what you call ideal, I must stop at the place you don't identify. Now, what do I mean by that? Jews in that time did not. What's the word gone? What's the word gone? Stand in relationship. Thank you, Lord. With Samaritans because they saw them as unclean and unholy and unrighteous. So they avoided that area as much as possible. So Jesus says, before I stop at the place you call ideal, because Galilee, that's a righteous town, that's a chill town. Jews ain't got no problem with that. You understand? So that's ideal. That's ideal. That's normal. So before you stop, before I stop at a place you see as normal, I have to pass through a place. And I'm going to stop at a place that you don't even identify. And I don't know who's. Yeah, I'm going to say now. I don't know who's been feeling like they have not been identified. But God is saying, I am stopping for you. I am stopping for you. So Jesus stopped in an unexpected place to meet an unexpected woman. As I said, Samaria. And Samaritans, therefore Samaritans, were seen as unclean, unworthy, and unholy to Jews. And he stopped for a woman. And there's a couple things wrong with with this scenario here. Number one, she's from Samaria. Number two, she's a woman. That's number two. And she has five husbands. She had five husbands. And now she with her boyfriend. As we saw when you read the scripture, oh, as you see, as you read more of the scripture, which I encourage you to read the remainder of this passage. God, thank you. So she's from Samaria. She's a woman. And women weren't really seen as anything back then. And she has five. She had five husbands. She has a man. So Jesus is the seventh man. That she is now meeting. (laughs) Speaking of it well, this girl was thirsty. Thirsty. (laughs) But peep how the seventh man that she meets is a different type of relationship. It's a relationship that never ends. Once you receive the water that he has to offer you. Anyway, I'm getting too far ahead. So religion says go to Galilee, the right place. But relationship goes to Samaria, the place overlooked. The people overlooked. And 
the Bible says in verse 6 that Jesus was weary. Read. Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey. So he stopped because he was wearied because of his journey. He stopped because he was wearied of his journey, due to his journey. And I want you to remember that because that's important. I'm going to repeat it again. He stopped because he was tired due to his journey. (laughs) And the woman he's about to deal with has a cycle of going to the well at noontime because everyone knows of this woman's story. And if she goes in the morning, she's going to be judged. She's going to be laughed at. She's going to be criticized. She's going to be thrown to the back. So she says, you know what? Let me just go at noontime when no one is there. Let me just live this life in private. No one's going to know, you know. We can just imagine how tired she gets of this. So the same cycle every single day, every single day that she got herself into. She chose all those boys. And look. On the surface of her going to this well at noon every day, verse 6 says it was about the sixth hour. The third hour is nine, the sixth hour is about noon. Just making that clear. To everybody in the Jewish timetables. Happy Easter. Happy Passover week. I don't think I said that. Happy Easter and happy Passover week. Because this message is going to be sent out during this week. But um, I'm sorry. I just wanted to make that clear for anybody. Of where it says in the Bible. Actually noon. The sixth hour is noon. Gotta be honest. Gotta be honest. So this woman... I had five husbands, and she lives in a town with Jews and Samaritans, because some Jews did live in Samaria. So as I mentioned before, she gets judged, embarrassed, shamed, she's unclean, in Jewish standards, and she has no hope, and she's an adulteress. Church people don't want to be in there. None of that. None of that. And to run away and to avoid everyone, she goes to the well at noon. To avoid getting judged, to avoid being embarrassed more than she already is in her own hometown. Because all these people did was feed her with the very thing I was drawing her down. She was like, I know, I imagine, imagine, I know, I know, just stop telling me. So that's who she became. That was her identity, what these people said to her. And she tries to run away and avoid everyone. And she goes to well at noon. And her journey is tough because, she, bro, let me tell you something. The noon sun, where they at? Over in the middle of in Italy? In that region? That's a whole different 
read a whole different breed. I just want you to know that that heat is different. So she got to walk through that whole hot sun to get some stale, still water. Because we know when water is. All right. How do I put this? The hot sun is on water. That water ain't moving. Nothing touching that water. And all that hotness of the sun going right in that water. And the water becomes stale, still, and stagnant. And she's in the cycle because of the chain of shame, past, embarrassment, insecurity, depression. And it's holding her down in this cycle of going to the well every day at 12 o'clock. And when you do the cycle, this cycle every, every day, every day it comes to a point where there's no more hope. And right now, this well is her comfort zone. It's a place she goes to to get a drink, but it, it's a place that reminds her that she's also a disappointment. But it's also the place where she gets no judgment. It's where she is alone and expects no one to meet her. Because no one is crazy enough to go to the well at noon. I ain't taking that trip. <laughs> She has this everyday noon cycle. And this daily cycle only offers her a temporary peace. You can't you could only do so much with stale still water. Could only do so much with stale still water. <laughs> oh brother, she don't know what water's coming her way. You could only do what's so much with stale, still water. It's only so temporary. If the morning one is temporary, imagine the hot sun noon one. She probably got tired because it was the same cycle over and over and over and over and over and over again. So you have a tired woman. Remember how we said Jesus was tired because of his journey of a tired Jesus. And this is the beauty of Jesus Christ. It's in Hebrews 4 verse 16, I believe. That we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with us. He's been through every single temptation and thing that we've been through. Yet did not sin. And that's why the Bible, I believe, emphasizes that Christ was tired. You can just imagine how tired this woman was. Jesus was already on a common ground level before he even had conversation. Jesus already took upon your sin before you even decided to converse with him. Jesus already took upon your anxiety and your shame and your guilt before you even decided to converse with him. He's saying, listen, I know what you're feeling because I feel it too. I felt it. In this moment, you can say he feels it. 
And right now someone is tired and God is saying, I was tired too. But unlike you, I didn't give in. Which means that through me, you don't have to give in. Because through me, you could do all things. Because you're not going off of your strength, but mine. It's funny how Jesus will always meet you at your level, at your low place, when you feel like everyone is rejecting you. It's because he's a friend. He's a compassionate friend. But as you see here, he doesn't just meet you, he starts a conversation with you. Because every conversation builds relationship. The moment I talk to you, I'm acquainted with you. The more we talk and chop it up, the more our relationship builds. But before Jesus, look at said, give me a drink. A woman from Samaria, the Bible says, verse 7, came to draw water. Jesus said, give me a drink. Now, I don't know if it happened, if he said, give me a drink, right before she drew or after she drew. But I believe it was after she drew, unless he wouldn't have asked for a drink. Which means he made her draw water. So why would he make her get the still water? Get the very thing that feeds her depression. Each day she gets away for a little bit at noon, but the place that's her alone space just reminds her of herself even more. And she walks back to the city, gets judged some more with this bucket of still water, a water that could only do so little. And Jesus says, you know what, let me, let me make her draw again. Let me make her draw again. A lot of you guys are like, bro, what are you? <gasps> bro, why would Jesus do this? Forgetting the fact that Jesus stopped for her. Is that not enough for you? That Jesus stopped for you? No matter the situation, that Jesus stopped for you, came, killed what you are going through, killed your sin, your anxiety, your shame, your guilt, rose again to show that he has power over it. He now rules in your life. Is that not enough for you? No matter the situation. That's a question you got to ask yourself. Back to the story. Before he converses, he lets her draw. He gives her the opportunity to do her cycle, reminding her of the depression and the insecurity. Why, God? Why do you keep doing this? Why? Because before he offered his water, she had to have a fresh taste of her water to realize that when she gets his water, she will still have an idea of this well's water and realize that it can't compare to the water, the living water that Jesus Christ has to offer her. There was a purpose in her draw. There was a purpose in her weariness. Purpose in her insecurity. Purpose. Because if she didn't draw, Jesus couldn't ask for a drink. He said, give me a drink. <laughs> give me a drink. Remember, it's high noon and they're both tired and the sun is hot. And it's still, wall, still warm water. Still stagnant, still nasty water. 
I wouldn't say nasty. God forgive me. But not preferable water. It's the water that reminds her of her flaws. The water for some of y'all may be your mirror. Your family that won't stop judging. Your shame and your guilt and you thinking you're not worth anything. Jesus said, you give me that. Give me that water from that well that you draw from with no hope. It was still water and still water. It was a still peace, a still hope, a still joy. It was mucky. Jesus said, give me that. Give me that. Give me that water. Give me that water. Give me that water and take this water. Give me that water and take this water. Give me that water. Give me that water. Give me that brokenness. Come and take this wholeness. Give me that water. Give me that drink. Give me a drink. Ah, 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 one, ah, one, ah. Give me one piece of your brokenness and see what I could do to you. (laughs) We're too far ahead. In verse 9, the woman says, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. We're going to stay here for a second. Just for a quick second. For a minute, maybe. (laughs) This is going to be a good lump sum of the message because the Lord wants some thoughts about him to shift here. So she was living amongst Jew and Samaritan. And Samaritans believed that they were descendants of Father Jacob. That's why his well, right there. So she has an idea of the Lord. But remember, because of her history, all she is doing is getting judged by the religious people, the Jews and the people of Samaria. So if they count themselves as followers of God as well, the Jews and the religious people of the town, and all they're doing is judging, And I know that's all they're doing because judging causes one to isolate because there's no there, there's so much pressure. And you think no one wants you. And right now all the religious people are doing are judging. So she's going to if if she has a an, an idea of the Lord but doesn't know the Lord. And all the religious people who claim to be followers, big time followers of the Lord is judging her. If she doesn't have a relationship with him, she's going to think what she's hearing from the religious people is what God is saying about her and to her. So God is saying, you're a failure. You're Ed. You're a reject. And because she thinks that's all God does is judge her wrongly and badly and terribly. She stays in confinement to sin and hopelessness because the reason why she kept hopping around is because she had no stability, because she had no hope. And right now God is saying, that's not who 
I am. For yes, you were sheep gone astray, but I have called you back into my fold. Come have a relationship with me to learn how I really see you. Come converse with me to learn how I really see you. Come get to know me a little to know how I really see you. She said that how is that you, a Jew, could talk to me, a Samaritan? How is that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? Bro, what? He's like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I want nothing to do with me. So right now she's Jew in Samaria, remember? She's separated by territory, tradition, and trespass. Trespass is sin. Tradition, Jew, Samaritan, territory, Samaria. But Jesus steps in. It says, hold up, hold up, hold up. I want to connect you back with truth. I want to connect you back with truth. The truth is that I love you. The truth is that I want to offer you a living water. The truth is, is that, 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 that I want to offer you a peace that passes all understanding. The truth is that when you come and take my water, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The truth is, is that I am here to shift your cycle. I'm here to shift your cycle. I'm here to shift your cycle. She says, you, a Jew, you, a Jew. And the spirit stopped me right there. And told me to ask this question. How do you see God right now? And what's causing you to see him that way? Today, in this day and age, so much misconceptions. And God is asking his body, how do you see me right now? Am I your second love? Am I your second priority? Am I just someone you come to when you want something? How do you see me right now? And what's causing that? Gotta be of the world. It's not of the world, it's of your flesh, it's of yourself. Is the enemy in your mind? Is that somewhere you need to guard? Well, if that's somewhere you need to guard, I declare with the authority of Jesus Christ, by the blood that has set me free and the spirit that lives within the Lord, that lives within, that the helmet of salvation on you right now, that the enemy has to flee in the name of Jesus Christ. And how you see God, it will be that he is the one and only true and living God, Jesus Christ. 
who died for our sins and by God's power rose again. By Father God's power rose again. And His Spirit now lives within. I pray that the Trinity God had three in one. Father, Son, and Holy Ghost may equip you with the armor of Jesus Christ. The helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of peace, the belt of truth, the sword of the Spirit, and the shield of faith. And no weapon that formed against you shall prosper. And you say, you shall see God as the true Lamb. As the true Lamb who was slain once and for all. You may see Father God as the one who sent his son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. You must see the Holy Spirit as the Lord that lives within through resurrection, that makes a home within those who believe in the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I declare the truth. Over your life. How do you see God right now? Right now the Samaritan woman. She's seeing Jesus as a Jew. But God is saying. Which he was a Jew. He was a Jew. And right now this woman is seeing him as a Jew alone. But God is saying hold on. Soon you're going to see me as Jesus. Right now you're seeing Christianity as a religion of judgment, but it's a relationship filled with joy and it starts with one-on-one conversation with me. Soon you're going to see me as Jesus. Soon you're going to realize that denomination doesn't matter. But all that matters is a relationship with me. Soon you're going to see that territory and tradition and trespass. (laughs) Guess what? I put that to the side. All that matters is one-on-one with me. Right now she sees a man with an affiliation. She sees his affiliation as a zoo, as a Jew. So all she sees him as is, is judgmental and hateful and condemning. All because of how other religious people treat her. She doesn't even see Jesus for who he really is. Christians, we have to stop judging. We have to stop judging. Because our judgment is drawing unbelievers away from experiencing the joy and the grace of Jesus Christ. It's a turn off. I'm here to tell anybody here who's been judged by the church and it's a turn off and you listen to this, whether it's now, three years ago, whatever the case may be. I'm a hard rock, solid Christian. I am a wretched. I am broken. And I need Jesus. The only difference between you and I is that with my brokenness, I know who can make me whole. And he's saying, listen, anyone who comes to me, I'll make them whole. So go to Jesus. Receive him. Accept him as your Lord and Savior. That he died for your sins and by God's power rose again. And see something new about him that you never thought you knew before. And the more you converse with him is the more you're going to see him for who he really is, a kind, compassionate, slow to anger God. Mm-hmm. The woman says, you were Jew, me a Samaritan. But she got the JNS wrong. 
She got the JNS wrong in her initial meet with Jesus. Might be Jew in Samaria now, yeah. But when you get to know the man who's speaking to you, woman, it becomes Jesus and sinner. That's the new JNS. In the parentheses in the scripture, before verse 9, right before verse 10, right before verse 10 says, For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. That parentheses let us know that Jesus don't care about that. He's having dealings with Samaritans. He's having dealings with sinners. In the sense that he's going to come talk to you in the midst of your brokenness. In the sense that he died for you. That he took upon your sin and the punishment that gave us peace was placed on him. He talks with the broken and the crushed in spirit. He talks with the sinners, letting them know that, listen, I died for that. The very weight you're carrying is a dead weight because I already carried it to the cross. And verse 10 says this. Jesus answered, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. He is there. Not to condemn her, but to comfort her. And he comforts her, look at it, <laughs> by not even answering her question. She said, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? How is that? What? By. By. With. That's how you answer our question. But Jesus didn't respond with with or by. But with who? <laughs> with who? If you were to respond with by or with, that means it's coming from elsewhere. That means grace and compassion and humility will be coming from elsewhere. But he said who to show that I am. He said who to show that I am. He said who to show that I am. But he opens up the sentence and he says, if you knew, if you knew, and the spirit told me here, the reasons why we draw from other wells that we know can't fill us is because we don't know the well that can fill us. If you knew, if you knew the gift of God, if you knew the gift of God, if you knew the gift of God, that is a preposition and an object of a preposition of God, of whom God, God is the object of the preposition Meaning this gift came from this being, which is God himself. Meaning she didn't know this specific gift, which means gifts can come from other places. So which gift did she know? She knew the gift of rejection, the gift of insecurity. But she's about to exchange this gift. Or should I say receive a new giver? <laughs> or should I say receive a new giver, which will give a new gift in which you give him that gift. And he gives you this gift of eternal peace, of eternal life, of eternal hope, of a living water. <laughs> you know the story. 
one may say, oh, it's, it's cliche, Josh. It's needed. <laughs> and here's where we start to focus on styles, cycles. Because I said styles, Harry. <laughs> but here's where we start to focus on cycles. In verse 10, God said, you would have asked him. knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink. You would have asked him. You would have asked him. She couldn't ask because she never knew Jesus as a giver of confidence, but as a Jew, a giver of condemnation. And that's why what you see Jesus as is important, because I realize that what you see him as determines what you ask him for. And how much you ask him for is determined by how much you think he would give. And he says, I will give you exceedingly, abundantly, above all you could ask for. See, maybe a chain of rejection has you in a cycle of not requesting. Chain and cycle, chain and cycle, chain. Jesus, the chain. We're going to get this soon. I'm teasing you. I'm teasing you. I'm teasing you. Just follow me, follow me, follow me. But if you don't ask, how you expect him to give? But look at in his answer, he gave her the answer. <laughs> the answer and the answer, he gave her the answer. Him. When God gives an answer, look for something deeper. <laughs> look for the answer in the answer. But not only was the answer in the answer, but there is also an offer. Because Jesus is not only the answer, he's the offer. You want me? You want me? I took upon you so you could have me. I took upon you so you could have me. I took upon you. I don't think I get it. I took upon your sin. You could have my righteousness. So your surrender leads to your supply. But she don't receive any of this without curiosity. And little does she know that one question... That one question, how is it that you, a Jew, that one question would break a cycle? That one response to Jesus would break a cycle. And verse 11 says that the woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw water with. Now she's conversing more. And the well is deep. The well is deep. The well is deep. The well is deep. Mob deep. No, let me stop. Let me stop. Let me stop. The well is deep. We're almost done. The well is deep. That means whole time in the cycle she was digging deep into something to get something that could only satisfy her for a moment. That's what I realized with these cycles that we're in. You get peace one moment and pain the next. She had to go deep. 
once again today before Jesus asks her because God will extend your circumstances so you could get tired of the cycle which will end up breaking the cycle as soon as he steps in because you desire something new. My mom, I think it was February 24th, she's experiencing some vertigo, just to make it practical. And her vertigo often happens time and time again. So her vertigo is a cycle. But to make her be so tired, she had another episode, but this episode was extended. It was extreme. It was extreme. And akin to this woman, or similar to this woman with the well, she's probably like, this is just another day of well drawing at noon, but maybe she had to go deeper this day. I'm just assuming. Because my mom, this, this, this was an extended circumstance. This was deeper. Extreme. You heard me say the word extreme. Extreme. Extreme, but what made it extreme was not the excruciating pain, but the encounterment that was powerful. It was the encounterment that was powerful. Because God responded to my mom the same way he did to the woman. The same way he did to the woman. She said, you have nothing to draw water with. She saw the situation and doubted God's skills. Then she said, What do you get a drink with? Where do you get it from? You're greater than our father Jacob. What do you get the drink with? The works. Verse 11. So you have nothing to draw water with and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? What are you going to get the drink with? The works. That takes work to get the drink. So what work are you going to do? Where are you going to get it from? Transportation. And follow me here. We're going to go back to my mom. And are you greater than your father Jacob, which is lineage? So you have WTL, WTL, WTL. What do you get the drink with? Work. Work. So what works do you do? Where do you get it from? Transportation. How does it come to you? Are you greater than our father Jacob, which is lineage? And then she says that about Jacob, he gave us the will. But as great as Jacob was, he was still man. So she was drinking from a man's will. (laughs) A man's will. A man's well will never quench. A worldly well will never quench. Tradition and religion will never quench. So she was drinking from a man's well. And where does the water come from? The well comes from a rock. So she was drinking from a man's rock. The water that comes from a man's rock is only temporary. (laughs) The water that comes from the rock, who is Jesus Christ, is living. 
He's a solid rock. It's a different type of 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 rock. And we see that in the book of Matthew. I believe it's Matthew chapter 7 and Matthew chapter 11. With the houses. And the building of the foundations. One built on the sand, one built on a rock. One built on the sand, one built on a rock. And it's just like the wells here in John 4. You have a man, floppy foundation, and you have the living well, which has a rock that is firm. Now you tell me something. Which well are you going to drink from? Because only one well could quench the thirst that you have. Anyone. And look what the Spirit showed me. In verse 11, her questions regarded the work in which he got the water, transport to how it got to him, and the lineage, Jacob, W2L, W2L, WTL, WTL. Remember J and the S, WTL? God wants you to know that he is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. And you could keep drawing from wells of the world, but you're drawing from a well that draws from you. And you are unstable. But God is saying through me you are stable. She kept on getting thirsty. No wonder why she had so many men. But she kept on getting thirsty because the water from that well couldn't satisfy her. Her sacral couldn't satisfy her. But she kept on getting thirsty. And she kept on going because she thinks that's all there is to life and how Jesus has to offer And I figured out that the world, well, it's a cycle of comfortability, which suffices for now. But the Christ, well, is a cycle of curiosity that suffices forever because she couldn't stop asking questions. <laughs> and Jesus answered every single one of them, but in his own way. Who? Who, 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 who? And look at his who's. In verse 13 through 14, Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. He addresses two who's, himself and us, because that's what it's about, it's a relationship with Jesus Christ. He addresses who he is and who we are because of him. And he wants us to be filled with the only fact of who he is. He is the word. He is sharper than any two double-edged sword. He is the living God. That is who he is. And the sword, this, he's our weapon. The Bible says that the armor of Christ, stash, what you call when you have a stash of weapons, you know. You got the, you got the sword of the spirit. Buried up in it. That's the word of God. That's the only offensive weapon. And if John 1 says the word was God, and the, that means Jesus is our weapon. So fight with the weapon. I'm sorry to go off track, but fight with the weapon. 
fight with the weapon. Jesus says, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. If you stay in this cycle, you will be thirsty. Mom got the vertical bad that day because she went to the doctor. And she's been in that cycle. And he showed her and he showed this woman. And yes, I have complete permission from my mom to share that story. <laughs> if you keep going in these cycles, if you keep going in these cycles, you're just going to be more thirsty. But there's going to come to a point where it's so extensive and extreme. But I'm going to be right there with you to offer you something new. See, daily she went to a water that made her thirsty because that's all she knew. And God right now is saying, listen, the same cycles that you're in, the same routines that you're doing, it's going to make you thirsty again. It will not, it will not quench you. But we still go back. Why? Because the brokenness of life is so much that the water, that that water, that well, even though it's still, even though it do what it do for a little while, when you feel like your life is worth nothing, we do anything to get by. But God is saying you're worth it so much. Look at what he did for the woman. He stopped for her in a place where no Jew would stop for to show that you are worth it, to show that I love you. He broke his route. Going to Galilee, he broke the route so she could change her routine. He broke his route. So she could change her routine. And it's the story of the gospel of Jesus Christ. As you go into Easter week, I want you to know this that he broke his route. He came down here. He who knew no sin became sin. Took upon our pain, our sin. All that we go through, every temptation. Hanged it on the cross, left it there, rose again to show that it has no power over him and it will not result in death because he is a conqueror. And through him we are more than conquerors. And this is the story of Jesus Christ. That he broke his root. The ideal destination was to stay right there in heaven. He said, uh-uh, let me break my root. Let me endure the cross for the joy that was set before me. Let me break my root. Let me break my root. Right now he's saying, listen... Some of you are tired of the same cycle to the point where having a new way out, having a new cycle sounds silly, but I love you and I feel your tiredness and I know your weakness. I know your weariness. You could talk with me. I'm not a God who condemns or looks down upon you, but you are my precious prize. I changed my route to break your routine that brings you hopelessness to give you peace. And right now it's time for you to tell your cycles bye. We often hear Jesus, the chain breaker, but the Lord sent and you have to tell you about Jesus, the cycle breaker. He broke the chains on the cross. He broke the chains of anxiety, depression, security. But if you could have a chained mind, even though you're unchained, and still live in the cycle of the chains, 
that holds you down? And you will never live in the freedom that Jesus got for you. That Jesus offers you. If you're a slave, I'm be careful with this analogy. This is what Jesus says in John 8. You can read it. For a slave is not a part of the God help me. Of the family's house. But the son is so who the son sets free is free indeed. So it might be a t- touchy su- t- touchy subject for, t- touchy subject for some. But just listen. If you're a slave or forget that. If you're at work and you're tired, you just want to be done. Your manager, your manager says, "You know what? Go home. You're free. You gonna stay there and stay in the very place that's making you tired, or are you gonna go live in freedom?" See, the reason the Samaritan woman stayed in the cycle is because she thought she was chained. Because chains keep you stuck. But God is saying, I set you free. I set you free. I set you free. I set you free. We all feel this way. Peter felt this way. David felt this way. The beggar man who didn't know God. In Acts, I believe it was Acts 2. Or Acts 3. He felt this way. I believe it was Acts 3. We all feel this way, but the difference is that we know who to surrender our cycle to. That's the difference between believer and non-believer. God is saying, I broke your chains. Now I need you to surrender your cycle. Surrender your cycle. He came. He stopped for you. And his ideal destination was heaven and he didn't have to stop and talk with you. He could have just went right there when he came and stopped in our in, in, in our way. When he came down here on earth, he could have gone right back up if he wanted to. But he said, uh-uh. I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop at the cross. 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 Once you accept that the chain is broken, you realize the cycle was just a burden. God was waiting for you to release. And this, you're still weak. God is saying, release it to me. And as you release, receive my grace. Receive. God had to expose to her that she was not chained to this life in order for her to give up her cycle. Because the cycle is defined by the well that you draw from. I mentioned before, a world well is a cycle of comfortability, the same thing over and over again. But Christ's well is a cycle of curiosity. It's about the well. 
He broke the chain and want to bring you to a new cycle that allows you to draw from his will that gives living water. There's two wells, Jacob and Jesus, world and savior. You got the same amount of quantity, but it's not the same quality. And it's the quality that quenches. The rock of Jesus, you will never be thirsty again. The peace he gives, the world cannot give. John 14, 27. He says this water. Verse 14. That I will give him. Will become in him a spring. Water welling up to eternal life. Will become. That means when you receive this water, will becomes means that you're becoming, means that it's a growth thing. Mean that you ain't going to have it all in a bag of chips the very same day. But there is hope because you're going to grow. And you're going to become more like him. Going to become more like Jesus through the sufferings, through the... And yes, you're going to suffer. Some days is some days gonna feel like that. That spring ain't flowing, but maybe that's because the water is touching somewhere else that you never thought it needed to touch. But don't expect to have it all together at once. It's a growth thing. It's a relationship. No relationship. Starts off in marriage. (laughs) Except this one with Jesus. You are his bride once you receive him. Accept him as your Lord and Savior. But in this marriage, you grow. You grow, you grow day by day. And you become a spring of water. That means you literally become what was an empty vessel being used only through God himself. Because obviously the spring wasn't in you before God. (laughs) A spring spring when you look up a spring you see water flowing down rocks the rock is the rock that it lays on that's why it becomes more rock more sturdy the more the way the rock is structured you see the rock of jesus christ won't stop flowing water get ready to be a garden for christ in which he walks and he dwells but in order to keep this spring glowing You gotta make sure you drink from this well on a daily basis. You gotta drink from this well on a daily basis. 
He's saying receiving my living water is a one-time thing, but constantly drinking is a daily thing. But he don't want you to take a whole gallon and sip by sip, day by day. And that don't mean the worries stop. That don't mean the the that don't mean the situation's gonna stop. But the more worry the issue sprouts, the more water the issue needs. Come, 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 come. Go to his well. You're saying, Josh, I've gone to his well. Maybe you need a new part of his well. The well is deep. Go deeper. Go deeper. Go deeper. The more you go deeper, the more you have a relationship with Christ, the more you're more in tune with the Holy Spirit that is the living water on the inside of you. That is the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. That living water becoming a spring. Hallelujah. That is the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. And this spring of water lies in the well of eternal life. And as you keep drinking, you get peace more. And if this might sound weird, but whatever drink you let out, whatever you drink, you let out. Whatever you drink determines the color of your urine. Whatever you drink determines the color of your urine. And we know that clear, pure urine is good. God is saying, drink of me and let out a purity for this world to see. No one wants to see your pee. I'm talking about the actions and the words that you say. The actions that you do in private and public. That is all of the Holy Spirit. And the beautiful thing about this well that you drink from on a daily basis is that for the man's well, the time of day to determine the state of the water, but the fact that we serve an eternal God who is faithful, this water never goes stale. This water is living. This is where we end, verse 15. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. So I will not have to come here to draw water. It wasn't just the thirst she wanted to quench. It was the journey she wanted to be gone, the cycle. She was tired of the same thing every day. And her enthusiasm tells me she knew she was empty but had no one to fill her. But because of the love of God to change his route, she was given a new hope. But it all started with responding to Jesus saying, give me a drink. 
God right now is saying, give me a drink. Give me a try. One conversation. One encounterment led to the breaking of a cycle that she had been dealing with for a minute. And God did his part. He changed his route. He came. He died for you. He rose again. He offered you you new life. And he's saying, give me your brokenness. You got to do your part and respond. You got to give him a try. Give him your brokenness. For he has what you're looking for. He's saying, welcome me to show you who I am. I'm not forcing you. But I give you a choice. Which well? A well that lasts for only so long. A well that you come to with shame. Or a well that you could come to with a smile, knowing that I'm not deserving of this water, but I could keep drinking. I could keep drinking. Because of the grace and the love of Jesus Christ. He knew the woman's past of five husbands. And a man's right now. Yet still chose to change his route. So she changed her routine. He knows your past. He knows all that you've done. But he's saying that don't change a thing. I still love you. And all who are in me are new creation. The old is gone. The new life has become. Your inheritance has shifted You are now a child of God. Your past is no more. Your sins are no more. But you have to give him your drink. And that's the response. And you not only experience a new life and new peace and new hope and new joy. There's still going to be problems, but... You have someone to pray to, you have someone to run to, and you have a peace that you know that passes all understanding no matter the problem. Why? Because it doesn't come from this world. So where does it come from? It comes from Jesus. Where is Jesus? In heaven. It comes from heavenly places. And that's why he says we have to keep our minds on things above. It comes from the heavenly places. It comes from heaven. This is not our home. And that's where our hope for the resurrection of Jesus Christ comes from. To know that, listen, we have an eternal hope. That this world offers us nothing. The world offers us nothing. But Jesus offers us an abundance of life. And life more free. Imagine living with him. Eternally. Forever. God is saying, come, give me a drink. Give me a drink this Easter weekend. Give me a drink. For it to give me a drink. He said Romans 10 verse 9. Those who believe in their heart and confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord. By God's power rose again. Jesus himself says in Mark 1, I believe, verse 14 through 15. Repent and believe in the gospel. That Jesus Christ died for our sins and by God's power rose again. Repent, that means turn back to him. Ask for forgiveness of your sin. Recognize your sin and your brokenness. And the fact that he's saying, give me that. 
Why live in a dead weight that he already carried for you? Why carry a bondage that you're already set free from? Why? So if you're ready to give him your drink, receive his living water, just repeat after me, Lord, I am a sinner. But I turn to you. Jesus Christ. You are my Lord and my Savior. I believe you died for my sins. And by God's power rose again. And now I am. Through you. A new creation. My sin. Is no more. But my life of righteousness. Through your Holy Spirit. That I ask to make a home within me. Begins now. Grow us in relationship Lord. And secure me for eternal life with you. In Jesus' name, amen. May God bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and give you great peace. Whether you're listening to this this week, Easter week, may you enjoy your Easter, Passover, fry that fish Thursday night. (laughs) Enjoy. And remember that Christ died for you so that you may live again through him. God bless. God bless. And if you have any questions, concerns, anything you want like to teach me or tell me, please email me at joshua.haron, J-O-S-H-U-A dot H-E-R-O-N, one, two, three, four, five, at gmail dot com at gmail g m a i l dot com dot c o m if you're listening to this two years from now a year from now five weeks from now as you hear this I want you to know that God is moving in your life don't give up don't give up you're worth it he changed his route so you could change your routine. I love you. God loves you. Stay strong in these times, body of Christ. And know that he is soon to come. And that's a beautiful thing. And soon we will see each other in heaven. Pray for me. Pray for me. Pray for me. As I pray for you. God bless Your people, cover them under your blood. Reveal to them their true inheritance as your children, as precious prizes, as a royal priesthood. Into your hands, I commit their life. Into your hands, I feel the need to pray for the youth right now, the children, the children's children. You bless them, protect them. And anoint them afresh. An enemy. 
You are a loser. And declare you defeated in the name of Jesus. In anybody's life that is hearing this right now, you are no longer in their territory, but you are back to the pit of hell where you belong because they are temples of the living God. In Jesus' name, this is the season of revival. Amen. God bless you and our Father. Join me. Join me and say this prayer. Our Father, Lord in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us all this day our daily bread. And forgive us of our trespasses as you forgive those that trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. Let the words of our mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. God bless. Catch you later. Deuces. I'm finishing up the semester. I don't know when the next podcast will be out. Hopefully God leads me soon. Not going to lie. Pray for my passion and my willingness. In Jesus' name. Amen. Love y'all.